Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Faris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Basics podcast. If you are listening to this, just to let you know, it's going to be a visual one. So I'm going to be doing a lot of charts today. This is a markets update. Um, so yeah, uh, that's the best way to do today's episode is just on your screen. Now, before I look at the markets, I probably should give you some uh, history as to why I look at charts and what my background is. So I was uh, actually trained in international relations, and that was my undergrad and postgraduate degrees in Melbourne universities. That's what I used to teach as well. And I used to always just go to investment seminars. Um, I thought the stock market was a, was a big scam, to be honest. I never wanted to get involved because I was aware of like WorldCom and Enron and what companies do to basically just lie and cheat. And I didn't trust stock prices until I went to a seminar where a guy was explaining he just looks at the chart and he looks at supply and demand. And he doesn't care what the company does. He doesn't read fundamental reports. Because that was what I thought trading the stock market was, was just going over these earnings reports and income statements that companies do. And from my perspective, they just lie about it. So um, that was the cynic in me going into this. But then when this guy just said, I just look at the chart and I look at supply and demand. And that's when I started paying attention. So I ended up uh, paying a lot of money for this course and going to it and learning a lot from it. I spent 300 hours in education before I put my first trade on. And the system of trading that I use is called technical analysis, where you just look at the chart. You are looking at patterns. And you're, and I'll show you in a second. I look at a, what's called a bar graph. Now, historically, this has actually been the most successful way of trading. To me, this, this works for me personally because I, I did a test and I actually have a very... Um, I rated highly on the cognitive side of these tests where I look at patterns and I can identify them. I don't know how. Uh, I did a test. You can do the stock traders test. It tests two things. Half the test is your personality. If your personality is well suited to being a trader and the other one is looking at charts and patterns. Uh, the personality test, I was just 50%. And I was right in the middle. But when it came time to doing the test for the charts, I actually ranked in the top 4%. I thought it was a mistake because I'm looking at these patterns. I'm just going, that looks like the next one to me. I couldn't tell you why. It just looked like it. So I ended up having to do the test again. Uh, you can only do it once. I had to come up with a whole new account. And I got the same results. I was in the top 4%. So it was a bit weird, but I really liked looking at charts. So that basically led me down to something I was doing part-time uh, while I was still working at university. I did charts in the evenings, and I loved it. I mean, I just love looking at charts. I love the process of trading. It is very technical, mechanical. You basically have a spreadsheet. You have a set of rules that you abide by. Um, so my trading plan was, uh, it was through this course that helped me devise it. It was 180 pages long. Um Whereas fundamental traders, they will look at what is happening geopolitically in China and all this kind of stuff. And they will go off of a thesis. I think this is what's going to happen. So I'm going to get in now with a 
technical analysis is you're waiting for a trend to already develop. So the analogy I like to use is surfing. I don't surf, but say you are a surfer, you'll get up at 4 a.m. and at 5 a.m. you're at the beach and you want to be the first one there. Now you might wait for two or three hours before you get that first wave, but you are the first one to get it. Um, uh, that's a fundamental analysis in that you're early and nothing might happen. You're wasting your time and maybe a little bit of money, but you'll be the first one to get it. Technical analysis is, let's say I'm a surfer and I will set up a webcam um, looking at the beach. And I will wake up six or seven. I'll have a look at the webcam. Uh, surfer's pretty boring. I can see a couple guys sitting out there already. I'm not going to be the first one there, but I don't care because they're just sitting there. Once I start to see a bit of movement, oh, now I'll join in. So that's how technical analysis works, is you're waiting for momentum to develop, and then you join that momentum. So you don't want to be early. Um, though day trading, you're holding on to a trade for no more usually than six weeks. Uh, if an earnings report's coming out, I'll get out the week before. So earnings reports where a company announces how much money they made or lost, and it can have a huge effect on the stock price. If someone's expecting a company to do very well and it doesn't, the stock price can go down very quickly. That's a 50-50 gamble for me um, because, like I said, I didn't trust reports when they came out. So for me, technical analysis is a set of rules. And the problem is human beings are emotional. And I actually believe that human emotion is displayed in a chart. Um, there's two things that guide people to investing. One is the fear of missing out in that they're going to make money and they want to get in because they don't want to lose the opportunity. The other one is a fear of losing money, which is why they don't do it. And this course that I did, I remember having a conversation with a guy where he said um, they originally had one where it was like a lifetime membership where you could sp spend X amount of money and go to as many of these courses as you want. He said people just kept coming back. They wouldn't put a trade on, but they just kept learning. And I knew so many people like this where they would learn, 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 learn. But when it came time to put money down, they wouldn't. Then you have people on the other spectrum like myself where you're just a bit too cavalier with money. And you can risk it on stupid trades, which I've done. I've blown out my account a couple of times. So lessons learned. And sometimes you don't learn that lesson. I actually listened to a podcast very recently with Stan Druckenmiller, who's considered one of the best traders ever, if not the best trader ever. Uh, look him up. And he said in his, he was, this was during the dot-com boom of 2000. And he sold, he saw a crash was coming and he sold. And then a couple of guys in his firm were still in and making money. And he got back, right back in. And he got in like an hour before the market toppled. And he said he lost $2 billion in that, in that hour day. He said, I didn't learn anything because I already knew the lesson. Um, he said, I saw other people making money. I wanted to get in. Um, and this is why I like charts and I like naked charts. So where originally the charts that I had had a lot of lines and graphs and indicators on them. And the more you look at charts, the more of a sense you get. And when the, really good um, trading books I read it was actually written by a psychologist and he just said yeah he said you'll look at a chart and you'll just see human emotion and at the end of the day it doesn't matter what you're looking at if it's bitcoin if it's gold if it's oil it doesn't matter there are people behind it because um, yeah there's a buyer and there's a seller and those are people and they're going off human emotions they're not robots competing with each other sometimes that does happen but I won't get into that but with a chart 
it is representing human emotion. And so I do like to look at naked charts and look at what's going on. So hopefully that's enough about me. I have not been actively trained for a very long time. Um, I am keen to get back in because um, I think, oh, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I will. Um, trend following has actually been proven to be the most successful method. So there's a study done, I think it was out of Harvard or Oxford, I don't remember, but lucrative, lucrative air quotes, university, where they did this really comprehensive study and they found that in the last 120 years, trend following, which is what I suggested with the... Um, surfing analogy has proven to be the most efficient or effective means of trading. So it's, it was the safest one, however you want to put it in the last 120 years with the exception of the last 10 years. And this study is about five years old. So from 24, from 2010 onwards or 2008, 2008 onwards trend following, just, you couldn't do it. And basically what happened was quantitative easing, central banks printing money, lending it to the banks. They basically did not want the stock market to crash like it had in 2008. Um, they did not want a repeated dot-com bubble. So they just kept giving the banks money. The banks turned around and bought stuff. So I would have these indicators where it would tell me, we'll have a look at this in a minute. Are we in a bear market or a bull market? So bull market is prices going up. You want to buy bear market prices going down and you're short selling. Now that will switch, you know, once every 10 years or you'll get, you know, and what will happen is if you're in a bull market, price is going up and then up, you're going to get an indicator we're in a bear market. Then it might switch back and come back because the first signal is not always the right one. Um, you don't get that clear sign. You'll get people think, oh, we might still be going up. But then, no, we are definitely going down. So you'll get that signal, like, and it'll switch three times in a decade because a bull market, you know, bull market will last around seven to 10 years and a bear market two or three. And that's how the pattern has always worked. So when I was getting into this, um, uh, we were in a bull market and then I would, the system that I bought, the trading software that I bought would sift through. So you'd look at anything and everything. And I was trading to begin with um, equities in America. So it says stocks list in America and it would sift through the 8,000 possibilities, um, 8,000 different stocks and give, and, uh, and this is, I had key things I was looking for. So it would weed out the stuff I would be interested in. And it'll give me about 400 options a day. And I would scroll through those 400 stocks and eventually you become so good at it. You, you spend half a second on each screen. So click, 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 click. If there's one that I liked, I'd shortlist it. And after going through about 400, I'd shortlist about 20. And then I'd go through those again, shortly bring it down to about a dozen. Out of those dozen, I'd have to choose two. And yeah, if it was near earnings, I would get out. I wouldn't use that one. Um, so the challenge when I first got in was out of you know, 400 possibilities, I can only choose two because you don't want to overtrade. Then what happened is we had that signal that we're no longer in a bull market, we're now in a bear market. And like I said, that would happen two to three times every 10, 10 years. You'd get that flip. But I was getting that signal, we're in a bear market, no, in a bull market, bear market, bull market, twice a week. And the market was just going sideways, could not decide to go up or down. And so I couldn't trade. And that was devastating because I'd only been in this for about a year and I had quit my job and this is what I was doing full time. And yeah, when a man can't do 
what he has trained himself to do, um, it's very depressing. So kind of affected me. And I, you take on, you do, do stupid risks. So I was kind of trying to figure out what's going on in the market. Why is it doing this? I, was re- I started reading about Kiwi a lot more. Um, and then I remember I put a big bet on that Trump would win the election. Not because I'm not American. I wasn't voting. I just saw what happened when... I remember when Hillary, there was something about an FBI, her personal server, something came out and people were freaked out and the gold went up and the S&P 500 went down. And I thought, you know what, if Trump wins and then this is what happens. So I just, day before the election, put bets on shorted the S&P 500 and went long gold. And then when Trump won Florida, that's what happened. The futures market, which is a market that's open when the stock market in America is closed, dropped. So I watched my trades, gold going up, S&P 500 going down, doing really well. And then my trading platform, uh, which is live, actually froze. Like they just had this little symbol saying, no, we can't open it or close any new accounts. So you couldn't click and say, if you want to close your account, you want to open a trade that you can do it. And then... I can't remember how long it was for, several minutes at least. When it reopened, it could have been a half hour even, but when it reopened, my trades reversed. Gold went back down and the S&P 500 went back up. So by the time Americans woke up, Trump was president. The S&P 500 was exactly where it had been and gold was exactly where it had been and they had, there was a volatility overnight. So, yeah, to me it was like, okay, what the hell's going on? So, well, Having said that, we are now getting some good volatility in the markets, which we're going to look at. And I am keen to get back into some trading simply because I was good at it and I actually enjoyed it. So, all right, that's enough about me. And now we're going to look at some charts. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. All right, guys. So um, thank you for uh, waiting through my intro there. And... Yeah, you might be hearing some background noise. So it is a beautiful sunny day where I am, and I have not had the chance to enjoy the sunshine in quite some time. So I'm going to maximize on that today. And Gordon, if you're listening, I know you're not going to be happy with the fact that I've moved outside and there's going to be some background noise. Very unprofessional, but hey, it's all right. Worth it for me. So guys, we're going to look at a few charts. Now, we are actually going to look at Bitcoin. And because it's September, first week of September, let's look at a monthly chart. Really, really ugly this year. Um, Yeah, what we've actually had um, is normally what happens with Bitcoin is this huge two to three thousand percent run and then 80, 90 percent correction. And that's historically what people have been accustomed to with Bitcoin. So if we look here, this blue dashed line, that's the high of the 2017 run. That high was just under $20,000, so 19666 So the presumption is that high doesn't get breached, um, as in we don't go below that. And that reason I have that presumption, if we go back to the previous run, uh, the high of 2013 was 1163 and that's when Mount Gox was hacked. And we had a huge correction after that. Um, and then we went up again to 20,000, uh, which was a previous run. And then the lowest we went after that was down to 
3,300 around there. So the belief had been that once Bitcoin establishes a high, it's actually a lot easier to see it on a logarithmic chart if you see that, then we don't go anywhere near the previous high or the previous high basically stays. So if you see here, uh, 2013, that was a high, huge correction, ran up again. We corrected, but it didn't come anywhere near. It's quite a gap there. Now, if we look at this blue line here, that's the high of the previous one, but we did breach that. We have gone lower than 19,000. We went to 17.6. Interesting to, to know on a monthly chart, we've not closed below that line. So the high that it uh, topped there was 19.6, and we closed at 19.9. So we haven't closed below. So the thing with markets is once something becomes obvious and evident, then the market will change. Um, but yeah, this last two years of Bitcoin has been really challenging for traders because what happened was if we, and I'm just doing a logarithmic chart because it's easier to see. So we corrected 50% correction, which is normal in these bull markets. You tend to have several between six and nine, 30 to 50% corrections in a Bitcoin bull market. And that's what scares people away. Um, so we had a 50% correction, then we kept going up. We broke new all-time highs and then just have died since. And this is where a lot of people got burnt because the next target would have been about $100,000 or $120,000. Some people are even looking at $200,000 for that last bull run, but then we just collapsed. Um, yeah, so this is why this has been a challenging, challenging one for um, traders. I actually went long up in here when we got to around 68 um, because, or just after that. So what happens here in the markets is, say, everyone who bought here at 68,000, right? Next time it gets to 68,000, and it say they bought there and then it went down, they're like, oh, crap, I saw 50%, I've had 50% loss. So as soon as it gets back to 68,000, I'm going to get out. So... That's what a point of um, a previous high becomes a point of supply where people who bought will get out. And that's what happened here. People who bought 68 sold, and we had this drop down from top of 67, and it dropped back down to 53.5, and then went up again. So what happened is because this high at 67,000 was higher than this previous high at 64.9. Um, I went long because these people got out, but then we had a higher high, which means, and after 50% correction, you just expect it to go up. So a higher double top is very unusual and it called out a lot of traders. So yeah, we've been in a nasty bear market. I, look, I say bear market, guys. Bear market is just indicative of if you're trading this thing, if you're looking at a long-term logarithmic chart and you believe in the long term for Bitcoin, it doesn't really matter when you buy. Just wait a few years. Um, again, not financial advice, just educational advice experience. So I'm going to add in um, the indicator I borrow or purchase from Tone Vase. And Tone Vase does a whole series on trading Bitcoin. Uh, funnily enough, he actually says never trade Bitcoin, just buy. But he basically has huge demand for people who want to learn how to trade. So even though myself, people like Tone saying, just buy and hold on to your Bitcoin, 
a lot of you still are going to trade it. And all the things that we tell you not to do, you're going to make those mistakes because that's the only way we learn is to make mistakes ourselves. So if you look at these nines here, as a, the nine basically will tell you when a trend is nearing its exhaustion point. So it says we've come to a turning point. So it says now we have hit a red nine. And the way this indicator works is, is the price higher or lower than four candles behind it? Um, so if we look at this, the reason this was a red one and not a green three is because if we go back four candles, um, one, two, three, four, uh, the, is that right? One, two, three, yep. The close for this was lower than the high for this one. So the close for December 20, 2021 was lower than the close for August 21. So that turned into a red one. So that's an indication there. Okay. You know, we are not in this bull trend now. Um, if you follow this example. Now, this is a, now, the reason I'm bringing this up now is because we've never in history actually hit a red nine. So we've never had this nine lower for nine in a row on this indicator. That has not happened in the history of Bitcoin. So if we go back to the 2017-2018 bull run and how that bottomed, see that bottomed back here on a red seven. If we there, that's the bottom there. That bottom on a red seven. Well, we're at a red nine. So that's an extra eight weeks. And now, doesn't mean history is going to, you know, do the same thing. But for all you guys have been waiting a long time, hope we should hopefully be nearing the lows here. If we go back even farther in time, further in time, uh, we did hit a red eight. And that actually did prove to be not the low. It did get a second test. But it was the end of the downtrend. And then we went sideways for a while. So, good news is, guys, if you've hung on this long, which we hope you have, um, by this indicator, we should be out of the woods. Uh, I probably would expect some sideways consolidation for maybe a couple more months, um, maybe a run into Christmas. So, And this is the other interesting thing, is I'm going to overlay Bitcoin with the NASDAQ. And we have seen an incredible correlation between the price of Bitcoin and the NASDAQ. So the NASDAQ now, let's get rid of these indicators so we see what we're doing. Okay, so if we look at the NASDAQ, that's the new orange sign, uh, orange line, sorry. And how much is that following price of Bitcoin? So someone described that the um, NASDAQ is a high beta of Bitcoin. So high beta means if Bitcoin moves one, NASDAQ is going to move 1.1 or higher. Uh, sorry, Bitcoin is a high beta for the net, for NASDAQ and S&P 500. So if S&P 500 moves 10%, Bitcoin moves 20%. It's a high beta. Alpha means it'll move less. So it's a high beta, which basically means, and Bitcoin's actually been leading um, what's happening because the NASDAQ, S&P 500, those future markets are close on weekends. And what we have been finding is whatever Bitcoin is doing, um, 
over the weekend, then the NASDAQ and SP 500 will follow. So we've seen this huge correlation between them. What is the reason for that? Well, we have seen hedge funds and family firms get into Bitcoin recently. Um, that interview where I mentioned Stan Druckenmiller, he actually tried to buy $100 million worth of Bitcoin. Um, but we have seen like Paul Tudor Jones, uh, Michael Seller, MicroStrategy took out billions in loans. A lot of money has been flooding into Bitcoin. Um, Tesla has been buying it. So we've just seen a lot more institutions buying it. Now, good for adoption? Yes. Problem, though, is that these guys have earnings reports. And like Tesla sold their Bitcoin before their earnings report. So it looked like Tesla made a profit. So with these, a lot of money coming in, um, it will affect the price. So what's interesting to me, though, is that um, the NASDAQ, which we'll look at a chart of NASDAQ later, still has a long way to go down in value, whereas Bitcoin's already lost from its high, um, I believe, what are we at, 80%? See, I am working outside, but the problem is I can't see my screen as well. But hey, sorry, guys, the sun feels so nice. Okay, price range, here we go. Yeah, so Bitcoin from the highs is down 74%. And historically, Bitcoin can go down 90%. So we can still go down from here, guys. Uh, sorry, we're not down to 74% at the moment. At the moment, we're down to 71%. But we did go as low as 74 um, Just shy of 75%. So the good news is Bitcoin has gone down a lot. We do have this nine indicator. Um, if you are a trader, it is a frustrating time to be trading because where we are now is we have people going, are we, have we bottomed or not yet? So there's still this tug of war between shorts and longs, I'd say. Um, people that are just buying Bitcoin or buying holding, they're doing very well. If you're doing that, cause you're getting Bitcoin at potentially cheaper prices. Uh, I want to look at a Renko. This I really, really like. So this just gives you. I won't describe a wrinkle here because I will not do it justice, but um, this just gives you a good picture of are we in a, is it time to go long or not? So the green, if it turns green, then yeah, you're in a bear market, a bull market, sorry. If it's red, you're in a bear market. And this is just shows you how accurate this was um, at picking the tops. So the problem with Bitcoin is if you're trading, you're, you're out of the trade before this happens. So here we're at... 65,000 and you would have got an indication the next week which was at 56,000 so it's a you know uh, $9,000 so if you have one trade on you've lost nine grand which yeah so um, it's just good for an overall picture if you're picking tops or bottoms or when to get out very very good so this is a weekly one uh, if we even go to a daily one um, yeah I mean that just looks quite nice so as you can see we've just had we have had bounces they have not been sustained so we're clearly still in a downtrend and these bounces have not been sustained and like I said this double top up here I talked about that is just rare that you would go up you would correct and then go up again just to absolutely collapse so that's incredibly rare that that would happen all right, so I now want to look at Bitcoin dominance. Now, I don't really look at this all that often um, because to me, this is just whatever's happening in Bitcoin against all the other altcoins is just going to be reflected here. So this is only a mirror of what's already taken place. 
So the Bitcoin dome is at 39%. Uh, percent. It is actually just hitting, now hitting the second recorded ever lows. Uh, the lowest it's ever been is this second line down here, which is 35%. So Bitcoin dominance, basically how much money is going into Bitcoin versus the others. Now, when you actually bring up the charts of Ethereum and the Ripple and Binance and the larger coin, excuse me, the largest coins, they don't look that bad. Like they're not gaining that much on Bitcoin. I think what's happened is we've just got so many new coins coming in that all this money, instead of going into Bitcoin, is going into the other ones. So, And I'm surprised with like Luna collapsing, all these other things collapsing, that we have not seen this jump up. So this is not a tradable chart to me. This is just a point of interest. So with Bitcoin, guys, it is, yeah, don't trade. Um, just keep dollar cost averaging, not financial advice. Now, let's look at the dollar. So we're just going to look at the DXY. Okay, so DXY. So this is a monthly chart of the dollar, and this is the DXY is basically the dollar against a basket of about, I think it's eight, maybe up to 12 currencies, mostly weighted against the euro, the yen, and the pound. So the dollar this year has absolutely been taking off. Just we're at the, we're not at all time highs, but we breached this pattern. So when I was talking about before, that really, really difficult time to trade was 2014 to even just last year. And this is, if you can see, the dollar was basically stuck in a rectangular pattern. And if the dollar is not going anywhere, then nothing's moving because basically commodities are priced in dollars. It is the most traded, um, not most traded, but yeah, it's... If, yeah, it is the dollar is the king basically. There's no other way. Um, so if you look here, we had this dollar was trading in here, and you're waiting for it to break out or break down of this parallel channel. So trading inside this is really really difficult because if the dollar is going up, then commodities tend to go down and vice versa. And you just, we were not in a bull or a bear market here from 2015. So from March 2015 until June of this year, so seven, over seven years, we were in this parallel channel where it was for traders, this was a nightmare. Some of the largest banks in the world just closed their trading desks. Like I remember one, I can't remember which one it was, but said they're, they're, they're closing their commodities trading floor. It was just a huge bank trading bank. So this was when I had to walk away from trading because there was no trend and I need a trend to trade. So this is like the guys on the surfboard just sitting there waiting for waves and they might catch one or two every now and again, but just a, a waste of your time and a waste of your money. But now the dollar's broken out. So the problem that we have now is that it probably might be a bit late to jump on this bandwagon. You want to wait for it to come back. And I've got a note here to talk about the Plaza Accord. When the dollar goes up, that is bad for the rest of the world. Commodity, it basically means so, all right, let's take, this actually happened in Thailand, 97. So let's take emerging markets. So emerging markets who don't have their own oil have to buy them. So Southeast Asia, um, say Latin America, not Latin America is a bad example right now, but say Southeast Asia, just as an example. 
uh, they have to buy their oil and they have to buy commodities. All these things they have to buy. Now, they need U.S. dollars to do that. You can't use a Thai baht um, to buy U.S. Uh, to buy oil directly, buy coffee directly. You need to exchange them to U.S. dollars. So when you're buying them, um, your currency is worth less. So you're actually, if the dollar's gone up in value against your currency, you need to spend more of your national currency to buy products. That slows down economy. And it slows down emerging markets economy. And when you think of Southeast Asia, it's where the majority of the world's population is, we need them to buy our stuff. If, you know, that's point of the capitalist system that we live under. We need people to buy the stuff that we, we, and when I say we, it's not me or us, just referring to manufacturing bases. If they can't buy it, that affects us. So what has happened in the past is we had two plaza accords um, where basically world governments met together and essentially said a strong U.S. dollar is a problem. So what we're going to do is we're going to make the dollar cheaper. I won't go into intricacies of how they did that because, to be honest right now, I don't remember. <laughs> I did look it up, but I can't remember. It was years ago that I looked into that. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen now because there's a lot going on in the world. Um, it seems that the G7 nations are working well together, but China, Russia are not on good terms with the U.S. Um, the ruble and the Chinese renminbi are losing a lot of value against the dollar. Um which for China it doesn't affect them as much, I don't think. Um, yeah, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on on this anymore because, like I said, just look at a chart. Uh, if the dollar pulls back to around anywhere from 103 to 106, and then bounces from there, I'd look at going longs. I, you can't trade the DXY just saying, oh no, you can. Sorry, some places do. It is a lazy trade. So what you do is you actually go into and which is the trade that's doing well. So this was one I tried to get into, but I missed out on it. Um, is a US China, USD CNY. Yep. If you look at this, this chart, yeah, I mean, look at that a weekly chart, and this is just taking off. Um, now, the problem with this one is it's costing you to hold this trade. So, because there's a difference in interest rates between um, the Federal Reserve Bank of China and Federal Reserve Bank of America, you have to, if you're buying US dollars and selling Chinese renminbi, you're paying a difference in that spread. And you, this one, because the Chinese renminbi or China's got a higher um, interest rate than US does, this, you're actually paying to hold this trade. So vice versa, you want to carry trade where something, you're buying something that has a higher, interest rate. So if you want to be buying China against the US, you're actually making money just by holding the trade. Um, whereas this one, you really want to time this to get in and out. And yeah, we've just I've just missed this one and I'll have to wait for a pullback. Uh, but if we go back to the DXY, uh, yeah, we are just nearing all-time highs here. So not sorry, we're not nearing all-time highs. There's still a long way to go. Uh, now, this is interesting because you look at, if we go all the way back to 83, the DXY was at 165. We're now at 103. The previous high was 120. So, Mark Yusko, who we've had on this program, who manages Morgan Creek Cap, who has made some very, very good calls, has basically believed that the dollar is at the end. 
it's basically facing the end of the world reserve currency status, and this is why we've seen it go down since 83. Um, yeah, so the next point of resistance here is 120 for the DXY. I don't see it shooting through that. There was some strong resistance in there. Um, but yeah, no, we'll see how, see what happens. So it's just, it's a bit late to get into a dollar trade. How is this affecting Bitcoin? Well, if people are selling their Bitcoins and buying dollars, obviously the dollar will go up and Bitcoin will go down. All right, we talked about the correlation with the NASDAQ. So if I bring up the NASDAQ, I might, actually, I'm just going to bring up some equities. Indices, sorry, not equities, indices. Okay. Now let me change my indicator. No, that's good. Cool. Now, this is a 21 moving average. This just kind of tells me we're in a bear and a bull market. If we're above this blue line, it's a bull market. If we're below, it's a bear market. So, like I said before, the problem we had was this period here. See how in here, 2014 to 2016, it just, you could not go up and down. It went below, above, below, above, below that line several times. And that was in just a period of a couple of years. So there's a monthly chart. You go to a weekly chart, and you'll see how often it did that. Yeah, so there you go. We went, we're just hovering, went below the line, above the line. Below, above, hovering on the line, on the line, below. So we're in a bear, I remember this, we're in a bear market, and then rallied again. Bull market, bear market. Bull market, bear market. Bull market, bear market. Huge bull market, which I missed out on because I just got burnt by trading too many times. Oh, bull market here in 2018? No. Definitely in a bull market here? No, but we absolutely rebounded. I remembered this one. January, this this was COVID. And we just rebounded. Went to, you would have guessed that we, the bear market would have lasted just, what is that, a few months? And then we went to all-time highs. And then this was February 2020. No, that's not COVID, Sorry. 2018, what happened in 2018, guys? Oh, that was a pow pivot. I think that's what that was. COVID. Yeah, so COVID just dropped. And then, not long later, we're at all-time highs and going. We had this huge wedge formation here. And we broke the wedge. So, according to this, we're in a bear market, but... There's the SP 500, but yeah, um, I am not trading this because I've just been burnt too many times. It might be a good opportunity, but I'm not in. So that's the SP 500. If we go down to the NASDAQ, it all looks very similar. The NASDAQ, though, looks a bit more dodgy, so it's higher risk. And you had see this blue channel that we had in here. We broke out of that channel, broke down, and we've retested. So it does look like we are in a confirmed bull bear market at the moment. You normally get... So what happens now is people in America are coming back from holidays. It's the end of summer holidays there. People coming back. And there's a saying, buy in May. Sell in May, sorry. Sell in May, go away. So you don't tend to see too much. So we'll just, over the next few weeks, we'll see what's happening. Are we going to rebound from here and keep going up? Or is this a bear market when it go down? Um, yeah, time will tell. But at the moment, there would be individual equities to, to look into, which I don't do. 
Um, yeah, uh, just this is the Russell. So Russell to me had a much more um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Obvious top where you can see here we pro had this sorry guys what am I looking for you can see I've not been doing this in a while here so you can see here this blue line here I'll change that to red Okay, this red this red dotted line. You see how many times it bounced off that line. So market went up. Someone bought here, and they see it go up. Comes down again. Other people go, well, I'm going to buy now because it came here and it bounced up again. So think of this line as a wall. The more times it gets hit, the weaker it becomes. So people who bought here in March 2021 saw it go up a little bit there. And they're okay. Oh, keeps bouncing, keeps bouncing. So all they're seeing is either profit or break even. But it hit one, two, three, four, five, six even. So when you see yourself going up in profit and then it reverses and you're break even, you're like, hmm, I don't want to get a loss here. I'm going to get out. So the people who got in early start selling to get out because they see that they see the fact that they're not making money anymore, but they're at break-even. Like, I don't want to lose money. I'm just going to get out of this trade. So the guys that got in early start getting out. They sell to the guys that came in later. And then we had this one here where it broke through. So you know, you know, if you didn't get out break-even here, you miss your chance. Bounce. And then bang, just like that again, people who missed that chance sold here where it bounced up here. And then they're like, yep, no, I'm not missing this one. I'm out. Da -da 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 down. So, and this is what we're seeing. We're seeing these bounces. And someone explained it as a, if you drop a ball down the stairs, just that momentum of, of the ball. So we're seeing these downs as a ball goes higher with each bounce. Same thing now. The bounce is lower or greater. So to me, the Russell um, just tells you, yeah, this is a, is that, that was a top. Looks like we're in a bear market here. But, I mean, we've had these huge reversals when you look here in January 2020. So, yeah, it's, it, you've just been burnt very easily because of the amount of liquidity we've had in the markets. But anyways, that's the markets at the moment. Um, now, I do want to look at the euro. That is an interesting one. So if we look at the euro, uh, it's broken parity, which means it's broken one-to-one. -one. And it's amazing that it actually got there. Well, it's not amazing, but, um, yeah, if you, it's hit one-to-one, -one, and that's going to be a pretty high barrier. So if we keep going lower on the euro, the next point of resistance we're going to have where it's going to bounce is all the way down here at 85 cents. So right now, if you believe, if you believe, if doesn't matter what you believe, if the dollar is going to keep going up, um... This is actually a really good risk reward opportunity because you could, um, you've got, uh, one parity, which is one dollar to one euro. 
as a break-even point. So if it goes above that line, you were wrong. Dollar's going to keep going. It's going to rebound and go up. But if it keeps going, if the euro keeps going down, that is a 15 to 1 risk-to-reward ratio. So that's actually a decent trade to look into. So I would, personally, I'm going to look into um, selling the euro against US dollar. Um, and that's not a negative carry trade, by the way. I think it's positive carry, um, if anything. Um, so I'm going to be selling the euro against the dollar, but I, I want to wait for bounce simply because it has, and this is a, a monthly chart, remember, guys. It's gone down several months, so it's going to get a bounce. I would, I would expect to actually bounce maybe above parity simply because of how fast that's gone down i mean from 114 down to 99 in just a couple of months oh, even higher sorry look at that just zoom out you see how drastically that's just collapsed 122 to 99 in six months is huge so that's huge not not six months less so yeah you want it to bounce so there was a good bounce here so this bounce see if it breaches the, the uh, parity mark um, but yeah I'd be waiting to get into selling the euro versus the US gold and silver these are very interesting so these are amazing me I would have expected gold and silver to perform much much better than they have um, we're in an inflationary environment um, usually this is when gold and silver will do well but no uh, I did see someone describe as we are looking at a potential uh, cup and handle, which is a really, really good um, pattern when you can get into it. So if you look at this here, there's your cup, there's your handle. We break out of that, you're taking off. So this has been in the works for 10 years, this pattern. And sure enough, we broke above it, but then absolutely collapsed. So, uh, yeah, I honestly am surprised at the fact that gold is not doing what it's doing. Um, I'm amazed. I, I would have expected gold to be at $3,000 by now. The fact that it's not, I don't know why. Uh, a lot of conspiracy theories out there, I'm not going to go into them. To me, the story's in the chart. The chart is saying, this is not trending. This is just really, really choppy. Um, and silver even more so. So silver is probably a high beta version of gold. That probably actually is. So yeah, look at silver. I mean, so I'll remove these. Eighteen dollars. Like how silver not at you know forty. Crazy. Yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, silver. I suppose because it is used a lot more in manufacturing goods, and we're not. You know, economies are not doing well. But as far as an inflationary trade, I would, expected, I would have expected gold and silver to a lot better than what they are. Um, oil. Ah, that's an interesting one. So, let's look at U.S. oil. Let me clean this up. Okay. Monthly chart for oil, very volatile with oil. Very, very volatile. It's, it's just one of those, you'll make money or you'll lose money very quickly. Hard to get in. Um, I tend not to trade oil directly. 
um, because I did very well out of it once, and I thought, I'll do that again. I haven't made a profit in it since. Um, it would have been great to get in here if you did. Uh, when it actually went negative. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think oil is going to keep going up uh, for several fundamental reasons. Um, tag Eric Townsend and Macro Voices. He does a lot of stuff on oil. So go, go listen to Macro Voices podcast. He does so much on oil. That's his expertise. So I think oil is going to keep going up. Uh, from a technical point of view, maybe if we bounce back here on the moving average, that's not technical. That's just looking for a good entry point. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing a good entry point now. We're still, I mean, we went up amazingly. Huge, huge increase. So we're just pulling back. But I'm going to wait for time to get into oil. Um, yeah. Oh, this is what I want to talk about. So one of the reasons apparently oil is going down is the United States has been selling their oil petroleum reserve. So this is basically oil that they keep in emergencies in case of a, a war, and they can no longer buy oil on the open market. They can buy oil on the open market. Reason I've heard they're selling oil is because they're going into midterm elections, and if the price of oil is so high, people... Excuse me. If the price of oil is so high, people will not vote for the party in power and vote for someone else. So they're selling their reserves to bring down the price of oil, and then they're buying them back when it, when it's lower. So that's what one thing I've heard as to why oil is going down, but it was already for a correction as well. So with the midterms over, if that theory plays out, we will be looking at oil rebounding quite strongly. Because um, everyone thinks oh, oil is just in cars and no one's driving oil cars anymore, which is not true. Oil is in absolutely everything these days. You go to a supermarket, you can't not buy oil. Anyways, I hope that helps, guys. Um, yeah, I will probably do this a bit more regularly. I have not been trading actively for some time, but I am in a place now where I want to get into it. The number, If you want to be a good trader, um, know thyself, basically, because it is about human emotion. I uh, do a lot of research. Um, please hit me up if you have any questions. Hit us up on Twitter, hit, email us, and we can direct you some really good resources for trading. But uh, just remember, the failure rate for traders is over 93%. If you have a bad day at the office, you still get paid. If you have a bad day as a trader, you've lost money and you got to get it back somehow. And then you put on worse trades. I coach basketball and it's the same thing. When some, when I teach my boys only to play defense and focus 100% on defense, because if you, if the other team loses, a, misses a shot and misses a shot, they're going to take riskier shots. They're not going to try and drive. They're not going to try and do lifts. They're just going to take lazy jump shots or three pointers because their spirits are down and they get they take on risk and this is what happens with trading it's a mind game and if you're not in a good headspace don't trade all right guys i hope that helps but um again not financial advice so just my life experiences all right guys hit us up if you have any questions and thank you again for listening thanks for watching or listening if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer. Any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements.
we take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit coincompass.com for more information and please contact us.